do you agree that you know it's time that we all wake up and take responsibility even for our ancestors that did not know any better been waiting patiently to have this kind of conversation <laughs> Well, it's Wake Up With KC, and today I want to talk about sci-fi. You know, I talked about aliens, UFOs, and back in the 70s, there was movies like Star Wars, and a TV series Star Trek that led to movies. What if there is actually a connection, and spirituality as well? There's a connection to all of that, and I have a very special guest, Laura Banks, who joins us today. Laura, welcome to the show. It's so great to be here. It is so great to talk about that. It is. And I, I've always, growing up as a little kid, I remember the TV show Star Trek, Beam Me Up mm -hmm. Scotty with Captain Kirk and Spock and all that. And I always wondered, you know, what if there's some truth that TV and movies get us a glimpse of the possibilities of other life out from yeah. our little small little world that we've we're so small minded. Yes. Thinking. Yeah. Well, I believe Gene Ryder, the creator of Star Trek, was visionary. Uh, he was one of the first TV producers to allow uh, a black woman, Nichelle Nichols, to be a main character. He brought in uh, an Asian character with George Takei. He brought in a Russian character with Walter Koenig. And th that in itself was really sci-fi at that time, right? And, and what is science fiction? What is the universe? What are the planets? What are they all doing, singing, saying to us? Really, it's it's about what if it's, what if it's, universeness what if like each nationality we have almost represents its own planet mm -hmm. we're really we're either in harmony like as an astrologer i look at harmony and trines or we're squaring each other we're squared off to like box so i do believe there is a lot of truth uh in the writing of a of, of very specific uh fil filmmakers and and tv producers to to circle back to your question and how did your how did you land the part with Ricardo Montalban in Star Trek, uh, The Wrath of Khan? What was that experience like? Uh, it was extraordinary. I mean, at the time, you don't know what you're making. It's true. You're just making a movie. And, and I saw the part uh, in a drama log, which is a local Hollywood newspaper that I bought weekly and read religiously in the back to see for what parts might be available to a newcomer uh, with no connections in, in LA. And sure enough, there was a, there was a, an ad for uh, a person with exactly my, my measurements, my height and my look. And I called central casting right away. And I said, this is me, this is me, this is my, so they said, come on down. So I, I, I went over there to sunset Boulevard and got in front of the casting directors at the first level. And then, they said, yes, you are obviously 5'11 and blonde. And Lana Clarkson, actually the famous actress who was killed by Phil Spector, originally had the role and she went home for Christmas and that's how I got it. Kind of a tragic thought there, but that's just 
uh, spooky stuff. Uh, went then to Paramount Pictures, met you know Nick Meyer, the director, and a couple of other people, and talked for a while. And they said yes to me. And they said, all right, you're going to wardrobe. So I went right to wardrobe and worked for a month at Paramount on the film. A lot of us, a lot of extras at the beginning, and it kept getting narrowed down, narrowed down, narrowed down to it was just me navigating the ship and a lot of the fight sequence you will see in Star Trek II, The Wrath of Khan. And, you know, every time that camera was on and rolling, I was in it. You know, I was an actress, and I don't think the other players were that as engaged. I think that's, I think I had the right look for Nick, and I had the right acting chops to get front and center like that and get on the box cover. And really it's this picture of me that, that went around the world that many people would be familiar with that I have signed many an autograph for. So that is how I got the role. And is Ricardo just like he is behind scenes? He, he just seemed so, you know, sophisticated, a wise, you know, his whole demeanor and personality it, is that like what he's like offset off, you know, behind the scenes? Very much a gentleman, uh, very uh, old school uh, Spanish, of course, you know, born in Mexico, but of Spanish heritage. And, and that uh, just gives off this what I call sprezzatura, which is Italian for charisma. You know, Shatner mm -hmm. has it. Montalban has it. Some of these other actors I've worked with, Sean Young, she has it. Uh, a lot of big personalities have this undefinable vibe coming off their bodies. Jack Nicholson has it. Uh, and, and Montalban would give me his seat when, when, when I needed it. And here he had a back injury incident as a matinee idol many years ago and still would let me sit in his director's chair. And sometimes I would take it and not think, here's this guy in pain, and he didn't ever ask me to get up. Uh, just very ingratiating. Didn't get that he was a movie star. Uh, I'll never forget working with Ricardo. And it's it's interesting that I was put next to him as his uh, kin because I am a quarter Spanish. So my mother's maiden name was Alcina. So I don't know if they saw a little bit of the Spanish blood in me to put me next to him. But uh, I think many will tell you that they believe that Montalban as Khan is one of the greatest villains of all time. Wow. And, mm. you know, You've been not only in that, but you've also played, you know, a, a scientist. You also played a warrior. You know, you my career, Kimberly. <laughs> I believe there's like many aspects in, you know, what we'd like to experience or a part of us that has been there before in a past life. And then we come in and we play the part again, but in a different era, different time period. Like a shell of it actually is how I see it, Kimberly. Exactly. Many lives, many masters, right? I mean, I can get esoteric on this with you and I think I can go deep oh, here, easy. right? So yes, I have a 12th house sun. So when I have a Jupiter 12th house, Pluto 12th house, all conjunct the ascendant. So this makes my past lives very present in this lifetime. And it's been a disconnect for me in this lifetime. I channel a lot of my energies toward Ar Archangel Michael, and I bring him in often because I do need guidance because I work on a subliminal level a lot and I see and hear things that other people don't. And I think you understand. It's, yes. So it's, it throws you off from day to day. So in, in this lifetime, I led an army into battle in a movie in the Philippines, okay? 
And there's a question in a past lifetime, I was a warrior. Okay, I was born in the sign of the warrior in this lifetime, a very masculine sign of Aries, Mars driven. So while I didn't do it for real, but there was this shadow piece that needed to enact it in this lifetime in front of a camera. Now, was I eaten by a monster in past lifetimes? I don't know. <laughs> but in my second movie, I was eaten by a monster, you know, so I don't know if I have in past lifetimes been eaten by a monster. Uh, um, so uh, I've done so many things, right? It, it's, it's hard for me to keep track. And I'm in kind of a stall mode now. I mean, just to not pretend for a minute that I've got to figure it out, like, moving into what's next is like moving through kind of mud, you know, right now, like how do we self-express in this time of so much repression and so much fear and anxiety? I turn off the TV set, right? Mm -hmm. But what's next? Is it another book for me or for anyone listening? Is it, is it another movie? You know, so yes, there was wheels of fire. My first film where I was, I was uh, a woman headhunter leading post apocalyptic world into truth and with the true believers and just this whole crazy mm -hmm. movie and then demon of paradise was my second film and uh, demon is on netflix and and my big memory of that is was when i was actually eaten the night i was eaten i like to say eaten because it's funny uh, i was sucked into the ground um, yeah. i remember putting on the mascara for my close-up, you know, and I'm like, oh, you know, gee, Faye Ray went through this, you know, <laughs> thinking of all the famous actresses that have been eaten by other monsters and taken in by giant gorillas and things. And <laughs> uh, and then I was scared because I had to do my own stunt, which is to jump back into this hole with a mattress in it, high-tech production there. And uh, I took a shot of alcohol before that stunt. And then my third film, Retreads, was with Michael Rooker. Michael Rooker is a very big star to this day, right? He's big now in Marvel and all that. And I had top billing in that feature. He had fourth billing, which is amazing. But Michael Rooker, before that, he was in Henry of a Portrait of a Serial Killer, which is a big movie. But Michael and I worked together on, on Retreads, where I was uh, kidnapped, indeed, for my secrets as a physicist and uh, comedy, you know, Charlie Sheen's uh, brother, uh, uh, Estevan, uh, he was in it. Uh, good times had by all in, in retreads and, and uh, like that. And when, during this, this acting career, that is, sounds amazing with the experience that you've had. When did you discover you, the, that spiritual essence of you in the process of all that? Mm, I started when I was about five. So it started before any kind of, really, I had a, I had a small career as far as a, a window, but, and, and then I went into nutrition and, and helping people through Dr. Uh, Pressman Association. Uh, we focused on radio programming and broadcasting and product development because I felt that was my calling. In fact, in previous lifetimes, I had gotten a reading in my teens that I had helped the medicine man of a tribe powder down herbs and get them to people. And the minute I had a conversation with Alan Pressman on the phone, I knew my molecularly changed that my my responsibility was to this man and to getting his message out there with his 17 books and five textbooks and broadcasts in New York City and celebrity practice, just everything Pressman and I were about. That kind of derailed my acting, quote unquote, but that's okay because that was my karmic 
proposal in this lifetime. I started understanding about spirit when my mother taught me about astrology when I was five years old. And she taught me that I had a grandparent who was born with a veil. Are you familiar with the veil concept? Vaguely. Extra piece of skin on the forehead. You're born with an extra piece of skin right here that to protect the third eye is the, is the conversation around that. Mm -hmm. um, I know I was always extremely sensitive. Always the artist. Uh, to this day, I have to be by myself a lot to recharge and to kind of survive. So, uh, um, I think spiritual people are like the, in the minority report, the kind of people that just tremble with knowledge a lot of the time. We were like these jellyfish out of shells, kind of taking it all in. And we always have to be protecting ourselves with the white light and things. But my yeah, mother was an astrologer. Very well. <laughs> right? I could see that in you. Always freaking out. No. Um, my brother, Robert, he passed away at a very early age, uh, committed suicide, and that was a very hard lesson for me. Before that, he had schizophrenia. Mental illness is so real in this country, more than ever. Anxiety, depression, bipolar plagues us as a culture. And oh, when he, and, and I knew the moment he, he so I, I started having these psychic experiences, Kimberly where I left my body, like the moment yep. Robert died. Well, the day before I told my mom he's going to die. So I knew he was going to die, which was enough already in that moment. And sure enough, he did die. And I left my body, my car as far as I could to where the accident was. And then the moment he died, I know 100%, 100% I left my body. And I went to him and I felt myself lift with him. So I guess he wanted some, 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 some presence, or maybe I wanted it. It's a good question. Who wanted it, right? Have you ever spoken to other guests that leave their body to be with a loved one as they're passing? That to me was pretty cool. Yeah, I would be fascinated by that experience. Mm. I've had some out-of-body experiences and it it it's just mind-blowing. And what then you're like you? the first when it started happening, I was like, did that actually happen? Or am I losing when did that happen life? to you? What happened? I'm I'm dying to know. Um the first time I felt like I was in a dream and a, like a few times it was, I'm looking at myself doing something and I'm like, well, that's interesting. I'm like, actually, I'm looking at watching myself do something here. You're witnessing your being. Yeah. yeah, you left your body. Yeah, there's a book about mysticism. And right now, am I looking into the camera of everybody listening and then I'm looking at you and I go like that? Yeah. I need a director much. here. Yeah, pretty much. Does it matter? Doesn't no. Matter. Okay. I like to look at you. So uh, there's, there's a, it's, it's, it's called, a, they call it mysticism because actually a mist, there's a mist that happens sometimes. And there's a book I poured into every kind of book I can on higher consciousness in college. and. Um, had out-of-body experiences and apportations and experiences of being one with a tree and and um, the time I went into this, it was right before Robert passed, actually, my whole car went into this cloud. So sometimes right before a spiritual experience, you will enter a cloud of unknowing, they call it. And so I was in this cloud I couldn't see what I was driving. I stopped the car and then the cloud just disappeared. And I knew that was mystical. So maybe, maybe that I'm here with you to break this down in some cases for the first time with a conversation with you, with anyone about this. 
maybe spirit or ancestor or, or, or guidance has to take uh, you in. Hit, so this is what happens to me when I'm hearing truth. It's like electricity running through my body. Yeah. It's fascinating. Right. <laughs> it is. And so, so then, you know, you go through this cloud of unknowing. This is maybe, this is maybe angels crowding in, or it's some sort of an entity of, of goodness. Because uh, when you Our die, spirit. I think you do head toward good. You know, I think there is a, a good that happens. I don't understand going toward a bad. You can't go toward a bad, right? So you're moving toward maybe you could die. So you get into this cloud and then the cloud popped. And then I drove to a hotel and I got out of my car and I walked into a restaurant. This is moments before Robert died. And I and I popped out of my body and I saw myself walking around the restaurant until this guy comes over and goes, you okay? You need to sit down. And they sat me down and I popped back into my body. And what was that? Another time I flew with someone who, Alan. Alan and I literally woke up the next day next to each other. We went, did you just, did we just, what just? And sure enough, we both go flew together. Those are facts. What's, What's that? We flew. One time I was in an elevator and in my dream, I'm in an elevator and it was like some, like I felt something come like I was coming out of my body and all of a sudden all these pictures and movies were going so fast. And I was telling it like whoever I was like, can you slow down? I can't get all this. And then boom, it was like a thrust went like I slammed. Yes. Yes. Body. That's what I described it. Kind of a, uh-huh. Huh, you had to get or something. Wow. I kept going, and it was like when I'm half asleep. Were you in danger? Awake. No, it was just so much data I was getting. What were you doing at the time? Did that just come in out of nowhere? It, I was in my bed. I was like half asleep, half awake, just about to like uh, wake up. Twilight, twilight, lucid. You were lucid. Well, certainly, 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 there is something to be said for that state of consciousness in that theta state that if we can get ourselves there on a regular basis, stuff does surface, stuff does come to us. I did. Just finished producing a subliminal program that we can listen to at night to call in money and love. And I've been in a, in a situation to wanting to produce that for 10 years and everything comes from the subconscious, right? So if we can reprogram that subconscious mind, things will start to come to us very, very quickly. We can play with time. And the reason I ask you why you were in danger is because usually like the one time I had that frame per frame experience you're talking about is when I was in a car crash, almost dying. I've almost died in, well, I've died three times in movies and almost died uh, probably, I'd say a few times in this lifetime. Once was a really bad car crash in, in Lawrence, Kansas, where I was going to school. And I did see my life flash before me frame per frame, frame per frame, per frame, per frame, per frame, per frame, per frame. And what do they say? Like, before you die, you've got to pack your bag. You've got to see everything that happened. Mm -hmm. And if you see a loved one or an elderly person and, and their eyes are rolling in their head, don't disturb them. I even had a priest in the hospital tell me that once I said, Oh, I want to talk to my mother. He goes, Oh no, no, she's sorting it out. So why do you think we need to sort out our lives before we move on? Kimberly, I don't have an answer. I'm genuinely wondering what you think. Well, I don't, I don't think it's that concept of perspective. Honestly, when I want to hear what yours is. Well, you know what? This is, Oh my God, this is so fascinating. I love talking about this stuff. Okay. So I actually, have conversations with my higher self. And I ask, hey, you know, I've heard about this, about, you know, 
people seeing their loved ones on the other side. And I was taught in a, in a religion that you go to heaven or hell. But if someone's seeing their grandmother sitting at the edge of the bed, she's not in heaven. She's not in hell. She's in this realm of, or like an invisible that we can't see. A something. parallel universe. Yes. And I'm like, okay. So when we're taught to believe all these other you know, you're going to go to hell for this and that and whatnot. Yeah. But then when you're, I've heard of people like right before they take that last breath, breath, all of a sudden peace comes over them and they're actually seeing a loved one that's already gone to that other side that comes to like greet them. When they right. cross now, is that a natural thing in the brain that creates this sort of like story, storybook? Is there true life after death? Is there hell? Is there heaven? We can only conjecture. And my personal evidence is there is a separate soul from the body. There's yeah. no way there's anything. Uh, look, we're 97% water. The planet is 97% water. We use only 3% of our brain, which means that 97% we're not using. Everything in your DNA is actually air. It's all space. They discovered in space it's 97% space the final frontier so if it's all space that means it's all energy and that we look like corporeals but we're actually light and stardust and space so we're moving around in this universe with these other people and we're basing it on how much money do you have in the bank and who are you married to and where do you live and what's your dog look like when in fact we're living these multiple lives and is <laughs> crazy isn't it it's almost like a survival why don't we just live with this consciousness i know that at one time we did yes and man did. created religion religion yes. to suppress control manipulate have yes. power and i go back to history i love going back in history we have the misconception of who we are and how we created you know we're taught that adam and eve were the first male and female and I read that book and I was like, well, wait a minute. Cain killed Abel and I guess he got exiled and left. But then shortly later, he came back with a wife. Where'd the wife come from? Yeah. Well, there is certainly a lot of mythology there. I do believe in saints. I believe there are, are saintly people. Uh, I, I was with a guru for a while, Guru Mai. She, she, she was a saint. I got a lot of what's called Shakti pot from her where she would come around with a, a peacock feather and I just feel the energy shooting up my back. Extraordinary. Um, Jesus Christ was a saint. He was a saint. I'm sure this man lived. I'm sure he healed. At another time, alchemy, air used to be in a different way. Like I had this, uh, I went into a sweat lodge once in this course I took called Warrior Camp and Wizard Camp, which is this great course if you could take it with a company called Peak Potentials. I hope they're still producing this course. Uh, and I went into a sweat lodge and I saw Archangel Michael, who is my guy, and he came up to me and he's huge. Archangel Michael's like 14 feet. These angels are enormous. Mm -hmm. And his eye was like up against my eye and it was huge. And, and he wanted me to, to kind of be fun with him and play with him and cajole, make him ha laugh. Like the angel wanted some entertainment for me, to, for me to get what I wanted right out of my angel. And so we had that moment. And then, and then we, we came out of the sweat lodge and 
we were one with nature. It's like when you take psychedelics. It's like what's between our brain and nature? Nothing. But we still separate from nature and religion. So there are saints, right? There are saints. I kind of digress here. I'm they're just labeled as saints, but state. they were masters, they were teachers. They oh, oh, oh. So at one point, Jesus Christ and others could take the sky was alchemical, that, that we had energies in the atmosphere that could we could pull a piece of, of, of air and heal the elder. Like this was a vision I had in the sweat lodge. Getting back to that, was I saw all my ancestors going back seven generations, Native American. They were all around a fire warming themselves. And then, and then, and they brought the elders to the center of the circle to heal them the most. And just the circle itself was healing the elders. And then we kind of came out of the circle into the, out of the tent, into the starlight. And someone was playing with an orb, like an orb and bouncing it up and down in the air. And it was, and I'm like, oh my gosh, this is an orb. This is so much fun. What is it? And another person told me that's planet earth. That was like, and that was all energies everywhere. And that's how that elder explained to me how we, at one time in history, we could heal the air. We've, we've killed it off with all the electricity, but it used to have energetic principles that you could use to heal. Wow. And, and, and that's, that's a religion. Like what is religion? Like, like an understanding of maybe that's religion, you know, Christ laid hands, Gandhi, you know, there are people because I had an, I had an out of body experience with Gandhi where he showed up which means I know he believes he lives on in, 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 in spirit. Cause he came to me when I was shooting a movie in the Philippines of all things, I was really sick. And I went into spontaneous yogic positions of the middle of the night. Gandhi visited my uh, hotel in the middle of the, and, and the jungle of the Philippines. Wow. And then, you know, noticing in, in history, it's like, okay, the Israelites did not build those pyramids. There's no way they didn't have the, like what I know now, you know, with the cranes and, you know, cutting and, you know, and then to come to find out there's three pyramids in several other countries too, that line up with Orion. They positioned. And wow. I didn't know that. Okay. Yes. And it's fascinating because I'm like, okay. Yes. Teotihuacan, yeah. Teotihuacan like, in Mexico is lined up s s s audio sound perfectly with their mystical snakes all over the side of their pyramids, the pyramid of the sun, the pyramid of the moon. If you walk through, give me a break. They had that technology back then? I don't think so. So well, they were channeling UFOs, God, ancestors, sorcery, energy. Mathematics. Who was the first writing? Who was, what was the first language? The Sumerian writing on the cuneiform, you know, the tablets and whatnot. That's when everything started and created. So if that's the case, then who told them that? How did they come up with that? They had guidance from a highly evolved being. Then you get geometry. They got so what's happening now? What's happening now, Kimberly? Are we in any guidance at all? What do you see happening now? Oh my gosh, a huge major shift. Okay, with the Aquarian, well, certainly astrologically, we're in the age of Aquarius finally, because Jupiter and Saturn just went to Aquarius, which is super good. And the, and the, uh, the planets were in the exact same spot as the Spanish epidemic, the Spanish flu in 1918, as they were when COVID happened. Same planets. 
and here's what I, here's the, here's one thing I keep telling my audience when I started this podcast, I'm like limited beliefs, mental programmings, even emotional, energetic traumas is what's keeping us prisoners from opening up our conscious to get to that level. If we're constantly living in the past, those energies, now think about this. We're the woman, we bring life into this earth. So whatever we're experiencing, so is the baby experiencing that energy, that emotion, that trauma gets. That explains my problem. (laughs) My mother was miserable. (laughs) But then I question, well, I was in my mother's womb. She was in her mother's womb. How far does this go back? Yeah. From the beginning. I want to say that in this lifetime, it goes back seven generations, that impactful dream that I've not had since. You know, it's important, these kind of shows. I'm so glad you're doing this show. And it's so important now to the zennials and the millennials for them to understand this as well, because, you know, they've embraced astrology like never before. You know, and if you want more, I am at stargalnetwork.com. That's my website. And it's in the the notes and then Zodiac magic podcast.com is my show that where we go and look at the transits every week. So, you know, it's just so important for the young people who are struggling so much with depression, you know, to allow themselves these kind of journeys into the unknown and to let themselves explore and maybe get yourself to college and then open up a bunch of crazy books you find in the library by people like P.D. Ouspensky and, 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 even the Bible. I mean, I read a lot of that and it's all energy. So all these energies, you know, and then, and then if you let yourself kind of, and I believe in the power of uh, THC, I believe in the power of mushrooms. I believe that we do need mind expansion and that that is the new medicine that's available to us. It is from an herb. I, I do believe it needs to be controlled. But then there was a one point in my meditation, Kimberly, where I was able to start seeing this blue light, which looked like a star came up out of the blue light. Right now I can just see it. I see this blue light. And is that the light at the end of the tunnel? Is that the light I'm going to go through when it's all over? I tend to, my father almost passed last week and the light got bigger for the first time and then went back. Which makes me think as I approach the end, it will get bigger again to go through. And um, backing up into a previous conversation we were having about the, the near-death experience in the frame for frame. When you can really see every moment of your life the way I did up to the age of 18, I call it packing my bags. So I'm, I'm my bags are packed up to the age of 18. So if I had a sudden more uh, dramatic death, I wouldn't have to sort out zero to 18. And that that's an advantage because you do need to sort out this, 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 this brain or the soul experience before moving on. It's like a filing cabinet. Well, so I thought, I mean, like, cause you asked this question, you know, wonder what, you know, if that's so, what if that you get a glimpse, but then when you go to the other side, then you get the all knowing even from your past life and all the experiences of why you came here on earth in the first place to learn in order to grow and expand. And why can't we take that knowledge with us when we pass? Why does it have to become a mystery? Well, it, it becomes a mystery when you come back. Then you start from scratch, zero remembrance. I know, but wouldn't it be nice if we could remember that? 
Well, you know, I asked that same question. Like, well, why can't I? But we do remember that. on some level. You know level. what I got out of that? You do. It's deep within yeah. you. It's the, I see it in the chart. It's the nodes. It's the Chiron. It's where your, your deep, deepest piercing. I call it a piercing. So the most compassionate people have been hurt the most. Mm -hmm. The most intuitive, often people. Misunderstood. Hurt the most. Bullied. Yeah. You know, yeah. traumas. Mm -hmm. they yeah. And that's these young people today that need this message. They're the ones that are being hurt and, and seeing everything and won't go along with the other kids. Um, and the light I was referring to earlier, uh, they call it, I found out, it's called the blue pearl. So it's actually in reading. It's in literature. And I, who knew? I was like, oh, my gosh, it's a blue pearl. And and apparently you have to do a lot of meditation to, traditionally to get to this blue pearl. But it's it's so important that we find the part of ourselves that's comfortable in this conversation in this new generation and generations to come. Because this is where we can recreate our past lives, where we become more comfortable with our past lives where you look at your astrology chart, where you tune into Kimberly and you learn, wow, that's why I love gardening because in a past life, maybe at an entire castle, you know, it's food, it's feast. And I'm naturally when I touch something and nature is a teacher and a link through. One time I was on campus at University of Kansas and I literally became one with the tree. I, and I was completely not on any psychedelics, unfortunately, having a real moment with life. And there I was. And I could feel the sap going in and out of the tree. I could feel the tree breathing. And when you have that kind of experience, it's like riding a bike. I don't think I'll, I'll I, now when I look at a tree, like in wizard camp, they taught us that you're not just looking at nature. It's looking at you. Yeah, it's I had a conversation <laughs> out loud i talk to nature i'm like oh hello cardinal how are you are you getting your food for today oh you look so beautiful and then i look at and from the book that i read celestine prophecy which my youngest one of my daughters turned me on to it Great. then i listen to the audio then i watch the movie and i'm like oh my god people need to really understand about energy you could see the energy from mother nature yeah. Yeah. you just got to tap into it so i and where does work. where does love where does love fit into this like i work with so many clients that want a romance want a relationship oh trying to meet someone online no success and you wrote a book love online which, and i did write my first book love online which was way ahead yeah. of its time about online dating i had some really deep conversations with my highest self source whatever you want to call it and I had, when I started asking questions like, okay, cause I came from abusive marriages and you know, just toxic relationships and what, and I was like, I am so loving and caring and nurturing. I, you know, I give my heart and soul to these people. Why am I getting treated this way? And, and you know, then I started questioning what is love then until I experienced it from within when you can get honest with yourself and ask with such authenticity, you really want to know the truth. Love. We are love. Love is inside us trying to express itself. It's kind. It's compassionate. It's joyful. It's happiness. That's all expressions of love. 
But so that takes so that takes the pressure off of meeting someone. But what about someone? What about a listener uh, that wants to meet someone? Okay, you gotta first fall in love with yourself. Okay, so let's say they do that. Then what? Then it'll just come. Is it, is it law of attraction? There's aspects to that. It's like connecting the dots. When you start, see, I believe that. When you start falling in love with yourself, taking care of yourself, like self-care. Then, okay, this is what I would ask. What would it feel like to have a loving relationship to where I can express and attract this love energy and share my completeness with someone that's going to complement it? Okay, so I agree. So it is taking care of yourself. Uh, it is uh, now I love, I get the vibe of love, like in an Abraham Hicks kind of way, who's one of my teachers. I love Abraham Hicks. She teaches me every day to stay focused on, if it feels good, think it. If yep. it's a stinking thinking, ditch it. Feel, stay in that vortex of feeling good about everything and you're moving around. That's love because you're loving life. You love life. You love, and there's some hedonism in there. Are you having pleasure? Are you allowing pleasure? Are you allowing your sensuality? Are you allowing your sexuality? Are you allowing that in without a partner? Are you maybe considering polyamory? Are you considering, you know, bi? Are you hetero flexible? What the heck are you? Just go for it for God's sakes. And don't worry about the puritanical teachings of the parent that said, you're not allowed to go for the pleasure. Because the pleasure is the teacher. The pleasure will keep bringing in more of the same as long as nobody gets hurt, right? Yes. And it's it's when it gets boring and redundant and you're playing a game. And you use my favorite word of all, authenticity. And here's so, another thing. I, I love Dr. Wayne Dreyer. Mm -hmm. Change your feeling will change your destiny. Yes, yes. Well, God is love and we right. are all gods. We're okay. spiritual so, divine beings, sexual beings inside right, this human being. Here's the thing. You can get it on a conscious level, right? You can get it on a conscious level and you can, when I remind myself or when I'm talking to an amazing lady like you, it's like, yeah, this feels good. This feels real good. But traditionally, typically most of us, okay, there is a track in the brain. Literally, they discovered there are physical rivers that have been created through re predictive, repeatable thoughts, thought patterns, thought consciousness. Thoughts are an S-curve when they go out. So they're like objects. They're, they're, they're real. They're like, this is, this, the thoughts have a density and they have a, and they're in the shape of an S and they go out in like a radio. So you're out there transmitting, you're sending out your army out there to go get this thing I'm thinking about. And then you've got this thought pattern that's not changing that you think you've changed because in that moment you're declaring it so. So many years of negative thinking around that thing, so many embedded experiences that you've talked about, this crusty kind of uh, physical abuse in the body thing, that you have to dip into what is the 12th house in astrology, which is the unconscious. Now, how to get to the unconscious. That unconscious stores everything you could ever even begin to imagine about how to get out, not the conscious. The conscious can only drive 5% of the wheel. You have to hear a message over and over and over again as you sleep, as you wake, to, start to even begin to shift the brain's plastis in another direction toward, I can find the right man. I'm not going to attract the next one who is the abusive one, who's more fun than the nice one, who puts me on the roller coaster, and that's more interesting than just a nice guy. I've got to reframe that thought. 
change your mindset. And you talk to rivers. I look at it as little electric Dr. Joe Dispenza. You know, he does brain studies and how when you tap into become instead of a somebody and nobody or, uh, you know, uh, from something to nothing, you go to that void. That empty space where there's no space. There's just this black, you know, and when you can tap in, connect to that, it's like an euphoric orgasmic ecstasy. Do you, do you med meditate with that? Uh, I, I do different kinds of meditations. I'm like trying to find the one and what I do what I've been doing is listening to Dr. Joe Dispenza and Dr. Wayne Dreyer because there's some music in the background. Then there's bio energy meditations where there's binary beats to get to the uh, subconscious, which when every thought sparks, there's a spark neuron electrons sparking from a thought, especially when you add the emotional energy to it. So everything that we experience, even trauma, it gets downloaded into the subconscious. It's like it's a computer hardware drive. Then so you say, so you're connecting a spark to an emotion. What do you, can you say more about that? It's scientific. If you could see how the, uh, we think of 60,000 thoughts a day, there's these little sparks going that are lighting up from all of our thoughts. I got to get Doug Steffen on your show. He would love this. My co-host from Zodiac Magic. He would just love you. Love this. You will love Doug. He's been, oh, anyway, sorry. So, cause yes, when you attach an emotion to a desire and you allow yourself to have that emotion and so many of us are walking around like the living dead, drinking, drugging, sexing, whatever to go unconscious because we're really a spirit deprived, right? Spirit in a bottle, spirit. Mm -hmm. um, if, if you allow yourself an emotion, so now you're in this place we're discussing now of, of not of, 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 of I would almost call it the cloud of unknowing. You're in this space. Unknown, the unknown. Nothing. You're in the unknown. You're in the nothing. And from nothing can come something. And there's no thoughts. Don't think, don't think, don't think. So you're in this space of nothing. Now what happens? Some emotion comes towards you. I'm, I want to make sure I understand you, how we got there. It's, you connect and feel. Feeling is the language to the soul. The body. That's why I love acting. I mean, it's it's just an exploration of emotions and characters. I was talking to Sean Young about this. She's like, I love I get to play a bunch of different characters and feel all these feelings. Because a nine to five job, you don't have an opportunity to feel anything. You're just supposed to show up and shut up and fit inside the wheel. Become part of the matrix, the programming. Oh dear, the blue pill or the red pill. Exactly. So when you're in touch with them and a desire, and so many of us have given up on desires because we've decided we can't have it. We're in resignation about the relationship that would make us happy. We're in resignation that we could have a breakthrough financially. Again, I just coming back to, you know, we've got to reprogram our unconscious thinking and it's not easy. Are the subconscious but it is. unconscious? It's, 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 and then growing up, you know, cause I'm, I'm from the eighties and it was like, go to school, get good grades, get a good job. Right That's now, I want to go back to something. I'm sorry, I keep coming back to this. So, you're how long do you meditate when you meditate? It's between 30 and 45 minutes. And you're listening to a particular program of any kind. I actually like every morning. I'm like, like you on, mentioned, let's talk. And I'm actually 
when I meditate, I, my eyes are open and I'm just like, oh, oh my God, you're so beautiful. Look at the trees. Oh my God, look at the lizard going to get his breakfast. Oh my God, this is amazing. I feel, and I'm like, look at all the abundance. Very here. Carlos Castaneda. <laughs> and I'm like, I'm, I am abundant. I'm connected to this. I am God expressing itself through me and this beautiful place. I'm like getting my energy up, just looking at everything again for the first time falling in love with my experience that I'm right here right now having when I get up in the morning and I have a cup of coffee and I have a cigarette. I'm like, wow, this is fucking gorgeous. <laughs> I have a little beer. No, I'm kidding. This is, um, this is, yeah. Probiotic kombucha, whatever. Kombucha. Yeah. Um, I like my, THC, you know, I really think it's time we're honest, you know, we're honest with what lights and floats, you know, our boats and boats. So, you know, I'm a highly creative person. I'm highly self-expressed. I've never been married, no children, child-free by choice. My life has been about painting, acting, drawing, comedy, comedy, writing, stand-up comedy, improv comedy, movies, um, books, writing. And even though I've had a lim limited success, I could say I've had more than most and I can say I went for my dream in spite of my success or lack thereof. And there, there was a write up I saw about me on the internet once where, you know, Laura Banks had the great first break of Star Trek two and discovered by Roger Corman. And, you know, she should be further along. And well, certainly karma will play a part in that because it, when you look at my chart, when I pursue fame, it causes me pain. What that tells me is it's not like I won't pursue it, but it will cause me pain. And so now I'm less attached. Like I said, I started working with Pressman in 1985 mm -hmm. and bringing the message of health and nutrition. And that was, I cry when I think about it because that was more important to me than going on and becoming whatever else I could have done, even, even though it looked pretty promising. But I'm not done. Right. We're never done, but we can look back and have regrets. I think if you don't have some regrets, you're nuts. There's something where you go, well, wish I could have done that different. You know, I think there's some truth in that. Not like you stay in the suffering. It's like suffering. Don't stay in the suffering, feel the suffering and let it go. It's not yeah. like you can't feel it. Right. People are afraid to feel because they'll get stuck there. You won't get stuck there. Feel it. Yes. Right? When you feel it, like they're, they call it triggers. You know, being an intuitive transmedium coach, and I channel, I channel ancient civilization that I... We're going to have to have you on Zodiac Magic. We will oh. have you on the show. I will have Mary reach out to you. This Laura, is I channel in another language that I've never in my life heard. And you know what started it? I started uh, Native American. I recognized the Native American, but then all of a sudden something shifted, like a vortex opened up, and it was right during... The most intense, amazing, beautiful orgasm with my current partner. And, Wait a and, minute. <laughs> Hold on. So you were having sex. Uh-huh. And you had an, a, a spiritual awakening, which is tantric, really. Yeah. Tantric in nature. It was the most euphoric orgasm. I want that. I want that. I want that. But I, I don't have an orgasm. And then all of a sudden... This spirit channeled, and I was speaking a language that 
he's never heard. I, I heard like I was hearing, but I wasn't, I was out. Like they came in at that time. I was into my orgasm because I can have my orgasms last 10, 15 minutes long. God bless you. <laughs> wow. Oh, but she's having, um, my goodness <laughs> gracious. Where can we get this? Let's put that in a bottle. Oh, 15 minutes of orgasm, I mean, ladies and gentlemen. Have, I'm oh, yes. I would think I might spontaneously combust like a drummer from Spinal Tap or something. You're serious as well. You're serious. See, because I'm all about the sex. I really, I, I highly believe that sex is a great thing. You know, it's it's pornographic now, which is unfortunate because us poor ladies can't compete with the what's going on in pornography. But if you just take it from even the work of Deepak Chopra, he will tell you that true, true awareness, consciousness, one in spirit is the moment you're having sex. Mm -hmm. Oh, trust me. I, after experiencing that, I'm like, religion's got it all fucking wrong. What are you saying in this other language? I don't I start uh, recording it. And I have a, a spiritual mentor that now she could translate and i have a video recording of us and i'm awake and then it's like i come in or they come in i go out and i and i come back too it it, it was weird but i was like holy shit i like who am i talking who's and i can feel masculine energy feminine energy but you don't but, but what was the but you don't know what was said it it she interpreted a bits and pieces she goes their information is coming so fast. Okay. Because so their frequencies know. are very higher than the human frequency. And it gets intense for me because I'll take their that frequency, that vibration. It's like I'm having a seizure, but I'm not. And I'll take it to the limit to where I can't take it no more. Just for them to, I want to know what the message, what is the message that you have to help humanity, help their, you know, to help us beings. So well, I guess the message, I guess the message is the experience in itself. So I'm here kind of wanting to hear what the, the linear message was when in fact the message is that a woman can have a 10 minute orgasm. <laughs> that's that's the message, don't I you was, think? I, um you know what I was sitting, I was on top of him and I was just, I see. <laughs> well, you know, I've also been exploring nudism. There's something about clothing. Not that I've done it, you know, I've tried it. I'm not going to say, you know, more than once, but it is an extremely interesting thing. There may be an energetic to uh, nature and nudity. I haven't put it together yet, but that's another episode. But uh, you're certainly nude when you're having sex. So um, suffice it to say that there's only one spot in the body that can make you feel that way, which is so interesting. And thank God it isn't one giant clitoris because then that we would not get anything done, right? <laughs> Um, but, uh, <laughs> um, you know, it, it, it is a conversation on spirituality. Spirituality is connected to our sensuality in more ways than, than we want to think uh, about if we are in that more repressed category or thinking we can get there without allowing in pleasure. Uh, but it's so important to allow ourselves to enjoy these meditations, to enjoy these kind of shows, to laugh, to share, to to know that it's really about having fun, and then to not getting it linear in in a linear way. Right. It was a minute ago. Like it's just, it's just, it's just this. She just had this orgasm, and then she spoke a language, and maybe just the moment you were a trans transponder, and you were sending out a signal like in Star Trek to the universe and some other 
So I bet some other, I'm, what I'm picking up right now is you are communicating with beings on another planet. Yep. Yes. Yes. Oh, I'm getting hit. Ooh. Yeah. I have a girlfriend. She was on my show, uh, Sev Talk, S-E-V-T-O-K. And she's uh, 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 E.T. by the government specialist. She's in Mumfa, Mun, Mun. Mufon. I'm going to write that down. M-U-F-O-N, right? Yep. And Roderick Martin, he's been a guest on my show. He's yeah, you'd love Sev. He, he's into that. And I wanted to become an investigator because I'm all about aliens. Well, well, Sev just got on as a member of MUFON, and she's one of the go-to people in the country for UFOs and, and ETs, and she's had multiple experiences. In fact, an ET visited her and left a mark on her buttocks. And she was on my show, and I was looking at her astrology chart, and I'm looking at the planets, and I'm looking at the lines intersecting and all that. And it just, I start, Michael starts speaking to me, and I went, oh, my gosh, I've never seen this before. You are a planet. Now, I didn't know in this lifetime, some entities can come in, some natives can come in as a planet. Mm -hmm. Now she's practically weeping as I'm doing her chart, as I, as I come to this moment, which I do. I work a chart up to where it's like it all comes together. And, and, and she says, Star Wars, the movie, one of the books written about Star Wars, Sev Talk is a planet in Star Wars. Wow. I did not know that. She is a planet. No, I had no idea. And then it came to me in the reading that the mark on her ass is a mark from ETs, never call them aliens, always ETs, a mark on her on her butt was the place that, this is funny, the place that the ETs would mark so they had a place to land. It was her landing pad. <laughs> well, and that's the end of my story. <laughs> Well, the thing about it is, is, you know, I read a good book. Um, oh my gosh. The Conversations with book God. I hope. Yeah, no, I'm kidding. Conversations with God. Mm. And God's like, I'm ne neither. This guy is just frustrated. This is how this dialogue goes. He's frustrated with his life, relationships, his career, and all. And he starts journaling. Journaling. So important. And oh. he's like, you know, if you're, if you're such a God, why, why am I suffering? Da, 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 da. I mean, he's venting. And yeah. When the, the pen pauses and it saves my life journaling every day. I'm starting to get back into it. And oh, I can't meditate like you can, but I can journal like a crazy person. And I've decided that's my meditation because it all comes out. And I think when I'm writing, I'm disconnecting from the thought because they've discovered that when you write it down, you can see it better. It's clear. It's separate from you. When it's in writing and your manifest it's part of the manifesting process when you right. write it down it's like legit. so i interrupted you then so you were talking about somebody else though yes but in then he goes the pen stops and he couldn't move it and all of a sudden he hears his voice and he's like well are you gonna sit there and complain or do you want to know the truth you can't like, handle the truth yeah, and he's like, okay. He goes, well, then how? And, and reading this book, I've read it four times already. And I listen to the audio every now and then just to refresh my memory. And I'm like, damn, I'm having the same conversations. Like, he's having the same conversations that I had with you, you know? Yeah. And and, and yeah. part of the chapters that I was reading, he's like, I'm neither male or female. I'm neither white, red, black. I am just it. 
And that's it Star Trek too. That's Star Trek. My, yeah. Myself with you. I'm ex All I'm nationalities with you. Yeah. I had autonomous writing experience in college. There was a point in time when I was so involved in studying the world religions and mysticism and, 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 and as a younger person that I still hold to this day as the peak experiences of my life. And I came back from a break and walked into my dormitory and a plant had died, a jade plant in the corner of my house. And subsequently I've, I've, I've attempted to grow jades and they will never grow with me, I guess, because I killed one of their ancestors. But when I opened the door, oh, just a flood of the spirit of this plant just filled my body. And then in the same space and time in my life, over a few months, in, in, you know, Christmas in, in Lawrence, Kansas time, um, I had autonomous writing where I just picked, and it happened in California too, where I picked up a pen and I just started needing to write, 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 write. And it said the same thing over and over again. You are spirit. You're one with God. Consciousness raises when you think about to let go and release from the form that you're in and the entity shall remain in the soul and the being. And, and, and that was amazing. And then I had an apportation where I saw a $10 bill in my mind. I went, okay, hi, $10 bill. And then I got up and I walked to the living room and there was a book, I opened up the book and it was in the book. That's an apportation. That means I somehow, and there was Bavuti, Sai Baba with a Bavuti, which was an ash that he would create. Another thing that would happen, I'm just trying to cram in all my spirit stories before we go. But another time a woman was an old friend from college and I was in New York City where I was living and I was in Times Square. When I get the calling, if I'm doing something, I'll just start going in another direction. And it's a disconnect. I'd be like, oh, why am I? This is, okay, this isn't me. What are we doing now? I'm like, now I'm talking to somebody and, and, and I'm now I'm not really talking. It's a feeling. Okay, turn in here. Go into this restaurant. So I went into a restaurant in Times Square. All right, go into the bathroom. All right, I go in the bathroom. Comes out of the stall, a girl. She says, Laura was my friend from elementary school. She said, Laura, I'm having a nervous breakdown. I'm having a psychotic break. I need to get back to Kansas City. She manifested me in the bathroom in Times Square. And I knew it. And I got her on a bus and I got her home. Another time I had a dream of a, of a diamond ring and I saw it in my mind. And the next day I woke up, same thing. I kind of, it was really important to somebody, I guess, this ring. And I'm doing that thing where I'm walking, I don't know why. And I go into a bathroom again and I, and there's the ring. And I know where to take it to. Wow, that's awesome. So things like that, am I doing, what am I doing? I'm playing with, with parallel universes. I'm playing with time and space as we create it. And my father, when he was about 95, you know, he's getting in and out of awareness. And he just said one day I went to visit him. He goes, you know, Laura, what I got was that this is all happening all at once. When I was five years old and six years old and now 90, it's all happening now. It's all happening now. It's all happening now. It's not separate. Wow. So let me ask you something. Based on my chart, because <clears throat> I was born... 9-11-1968 on a Wednesday at 11.04 a.m. in Fort Lauderdale, Florida. 11 what? 11.04 a.m. in Fort Lauderdale. What about you? Say what? You want me to look at your chart? Did you have a specific question? I just like, I want to see what you you, you get from all we of have that. Time? <laughs> we uh, have we can... time. All right. All right. Let's go to solar fire. Can you still see me or did my screen change? I can still see you. Okay, so I'm going to Solar Fire Gold, which is a great software because it does your charts real fast, and I sell Solar Fire. So you go to New, and I put in 
you. L-E-Y is Kimberly. Mm -hmm. That's very important. I just have to leave in about 15 minutes. Okay. Kimberly and uh, L-E-Y. Uh, 9 68 That's uh, September 11th. September. Powerful day. 19, you're 11, uh, which is nice. 68. September 11, 1968. And 11 again. No wonder. We've got this 11 number working. 11.04 a.m. Fort Lauderdale. Now, do you want me my full name or? Do no, I don't need name. Doesn't really matter right now. FL. Um, okay. Okay. Fort Lauderdale, Fuller Heights Park. Fuller Heights? No, Fort Lauderdale, Florida. Yeah, it should be picking that up. We do it right. State. Wednesday. Okay, so do you know your chart? Not really. I, I had a, a, a picture of something. I had it on my app and it just looked like Chinese to me. I'm like, what the hell does all this mean? <laughs> I have no idea. Well, I just. But I don't get it. You know what? For some reason, it's not picking up Fort Lauderdale. And I maybe if I spell out, it's giving me that Fuller Heights. And I just want to get this right because there's no point in doing this if it's not right. Uh, of course, you are a Virgo. So that makes you very, very the major obstacle in this lifetime. The sun is in the a, a detriment position in the sign Virgo as the sun position only because uh, there's a little bit of a stress on the body. Um, physical health, you want to be very careful that you do everything healthy wise uh, to manage your, your health and because there's a nervous energy in a typical Virgo, which just exhausts them because they see every outcome as what could be, would be, and they stay in their heads a lot. So you're doing everything right to be in that higher consciousness and rising above that Virgo tendency because you're a four planet Virgo. So your sun, Jupiter, Mercury, Pluto in Virgo. So, uh, and your Jupiter's conjunct your sun. So you have an angel. You're very fortunate in this lifetime. You, you, do you feel that way? What, that I'm an angel? That you have some had some good fortune in this lifetime. Sometimes, yeah. Little small fortunes, you know. I, I, it's going to expand and grow and get bigger. Well, so I'm here to let you know that you have a tremendous opportunity with a, with a sun conjunct Jupiter and that you could go as big as you want. Uh, the Mercury is... is a good enough i'll call conjunction so separating yourself from your thinking is hugely important because that mercury is crowding you a little bit so we want you to always be expanding toward the nothingness you've got uranus there so ideas come to you in a flash i knew you had uranus near the sun because you're you're receiving messages and then venus then moves into libra venus and libra very loving uh, this is on the 11th house of groups and organizations and mars at the top so you could become very very well known are you well known yet you will be uh, I'm working on it. You have every right to work on it. You have every planet in your favor. Uh, tremendous uh, opportunities in large groups and organizations. So if you could get your message in front of, say, an IBM type organization or a Google company or uh, just get it. You could go as big as you want in your joint ventures. Go as big, big, big as you can imagine playing with. I want uh, my own streamlined TV. I've always wanted my TV show, but I knew yeah. that 
certain things weren't lining up. So I just put them on the back burner, but now yeah. it's virtual now. Well, so you could not like just do a show. You, you, you couldn't just do a show. You could do a network. Okay. This is oh. the chart of a, of a, a, a VP of, of opportunity. This is, this is someone that's playing in the world big time, but it's not going to happen as a general message, Kimberly. Well, the best advice I can give you for profound breakthrough in your career is to move toward large groups and organizations with your message. So if all those planets that are in the 11th and your house in the 11th is intercept, so it's huge with six planets, which is large groups and organizations, I want you to read about the 11th house until you can't read about it anymore. And I'll send you your chart. You've got a 10th house Mars, which is about just success in the, in the world, but just out in the world publicly. But that 11th house really emphasizes success with large groups and organizations. So you find the VP of uh, uh, booking guests and, and, and bringing in speakers uh, that are open to your message and you will be very successful if you stay focused on that message until you've crafted that message to getting with an agent or to people of these large groups and organizations. The IBMs, the ITTs of the spirit world, you know, re really go big. The jury's just, you could really play to the large groups. Okay. Organized large groups, not disorganized. Disorganized would be 10th house. 11th house has moved into organization in the sign Aquarius. Organized large groups. Okay. Yeah. Moon in Taurus. So you're stubborn. You, you, you're, you love beauty. It's naturally dignified there. You have a dignity with the moon there. Uh, seventh house relationships. So you get emotional expression through your relationship. Saturn in sixth house. Day-to-day -day work has been difficult for you. You're not crazy about it. You, you're kind of imp imp impulsive about it. You don't like to be tied to it. It kind of drags you down. But you're good at it day-to-day. You've had some pain and suffering around speculation. So you really like to keep things kind of tightly organized. Um, Scorpizing. So you, you know, uh, you're very, you know, sexual, sensual um, in the world of intense feelings. You know, you get bored by small talk. Um, so a Virgo sun, moon Taurus, very buttoned down, but that Scorpio will have nothing to do with being buttoned down and just bust you wide open. But in a way, people are going to be able to trust your message because you've put in your homework. You know, that Virgo is due diligent and understanding. They're practical. And that moon in Taurus is practical. And that Scorpio rising. So there's a there's a there's two parts of your personality. You know, there's that button down presentation and there's a wild woman. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and Neptune and Scorpio in the first house. So, you you know, your identity is is strongly based in this understanding of Neptunian experiences and philosophies. And I could go yeah. on and on, you know, but that's wow. what we got for today. And, and, you know, we were talking about sex earlier in our sexuality and our sensuality. You know, I've even explored swinging and yes. it's a whole, I love it. Yes. Tell I me why. I love it. Why? Because it doesn't matter what gender, what color it's tapping in. And I have a feeling that I'm doing it for healing aspects of helping people heal whatever they're able to and ready to heal. And they don't even know it. I'm well, just what if we're just monkeys. What if we're just monkeys and we totally love the freshness and the newness and the being someone loving us in a day and someone admiring us in a new way. And it's not all up to your partner. And Polly, I believe is in many ways the answer. And I believe that will be the future. Yeah. That will be the young younger generation that will have it's having open relationships. You could still be, you know, with, yeah. with a partner, but you explore and expand. Amen, sister. And on that note, I gotta go to a hairdresser. Oh, good. Enjoy your 
<laughs> this has been a great conversation. I don't want to be late for a hairdresser. Well, you look gorgeous as ever. Thank you, Thank you so much for we got, I gotta have you back. Let me know. Namaste. You'll have Doug show. on, you'll come on my show. My people call your people. It'll be fun. Yes. All right. Thank you again, Laura. Thank Mwah. you. It was wonderful. Mwah. Bye. <laughs> well, there you go. You never know who I'm gonna have on my show or, or what we're even gonna talk about. So stay tuned for the next episode of Wake Up with KC. Do you agree that, you know, it's time that we all wake up and take responsibility, even for our ancestors that did not know any better? I've been waiting patiently to have this kind of conversation. <laughs> still here <laughs> just stay tuned for next episode <laughs>